All right, guys, before we get started, a big thank you to our sponsor, Microsoft Windows 11, the official operating system of the NFL and the exclusive sponsor of the LA Chargers. The all new Windows 11, they're here to bring you closer to what you love, like the LA Chargers and the final drive. Learn about all the awesome new features of Windows 11 at windows.com. And welcome in to yet another winning edition of the final drive alongside Haley Elwood, I'm Chris Hayre. Joining us a bit later, Daniel Popper of The Athletic to break down this wild, crazy game at SoFi Stadium. Chargers win 47-42. Haley, I said this yesterday. I don't even know where to begin. I'm going to let you do the honors. You let me know where we should begin. This was crazy. Well, I'll start here. I think some of us, I'll, I'll say at least for myself, I was expecting a shootout in week two. It didn't happen. And I think a lot of things factored into that the penalties, obviously no one could get in a rhythm. Then you go to Kansas city and you think, Oh, these two offenses. Yeah. Shootout. Not really. Then you go to week four against Vegas. No. Oh, but week five. Oh, but week five in the fourth quarter, we finally got it. We finally got what I think had been a building and brewing and people were anticipating over the last few weeks. That was probably one of the most wild games I've been, I've been part of during my time with the chargers. One of the most wild wins I'll say, cause I was talking to Fernando about that. Usually this team ends up on the other side of those games. And I think it's really a positive thing that, that they came out of this with a win 26 points in the fourth quarter. That is insane. And the fact that it, it truly did turn into a track meet as Brandon Staley called it good old, old fashioned shootout. It was nuts. And I think uh, it, it was just kind of funny and, and just wild to kind of, it just got cracked open at one point. The game just totally came undone, got cracked open, and it was a back and forth fight until the very, very end. But that was an exciting one. And to come out on the winning side of it, oh, that is awesome. To be four and one right now, that's crazy. That's really, really good. Haley, our guy Danny in Chargers Communications, right on time with the with the stat. 26 points scored in the fourth quarter last night by the Bolts. It's the most points scored by any team in the fourth quarter of any game since 2017. Just to put that in context of, of what we saw back and forth. And, you know, you and I were sitting next to each other in the first half of that game. I really thought the story was going to be Derwin James with 78 tackles in, in the game <laughs> against the brother. He had 14 in the first half. And obviously that's not a good thing for the Chargers defense. If Derwin's making every play, uh, the, the Browns running attack gave the Chargers problems all day long. They control time of possession, but yet this team still finds a way to win leaning on the offense. You know, I, I don't know what, what else you could say about Justin Herbert and the way he, he plays and, uh, he he takes care of the football, five total touchdowns. Uh, I think he has 12 touchdowns and no interceptions over the last three weeks. And, and Mike Williams, 165 yards, a career high, a pair of touchdowns, a 33-yard pass interference that he drew. Uh, he looked like Randy Moss out there to me. You know? It was it was crazy. He is, especially after the very quiet game he had against the Raiders on Monday, Again, it, it sort of just cracked open for him. I think uh, one thing about Justin Herbert, Daniel Popper wrote his normal post-game recap wasn't a recap. It was basically an ode to Justin Herbert, and I'm sure we'll talk to him about that. The bit about Derwin, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad, right? There's good because he's 
it's the most by a charger in a single game since Donnie Edwards in 06. But the bad is the Browns got to the second level. And we talked a lot about not getting, you know, making sure that you limit, especially those running backs to get to that, to not get to that second level. So Derwin is the line of defense. There isn't great, but you know, it's that whole bend, but don't break kind of philosophy. This team did give up a lot on the ground. And and I will ask Daniel Popper, maybe what needs to kind of be shored up there, but at the same time, offensively, you can produce. And I think we've heard a lot of the phrase, we've heard the phrase complete game be thrown out a lot, complete team be thrown out a lot. And, you know, Brandon Staley and a lot of the guys have talked about that's where, you know, your offense can rely on your defense and you work all together, especially, you know, too, in in the third phase in special teams. And that's what we saw yesterday. You know, the defense may not have held up their end of the bargain, but the offense came through and then defense came through at the end to, to, you know, limit the Browns after the chargers had scored, they got to them on fourth down and Baker Mayfield's Hail Mary essentially threw incomplete and, and that was your ball game. But there's so much to take away from this game. We will talk to again, Popper about Justin Herbert, but he's just insane. I mean, you can't really explain it in any other way, just what he's doing out there. And it just really, really seems like this offense is such a fit for him and, and working with Joe Lombardi is such a fit for him. And the same can be said about Mike Williams. I mean, his production has just been incomparable to what we've seen out of him over the last couple of years. And he's proving himself as one of the top receivers in this league. He had five receiving touchdowns all of last year. On October 10th, he gets his fifth and sixth. And there's no signs of, of stopping. I mean, I mean the, the connection, we thought the connection between Keenan and Justin yeah. was lethal last year. And it still is. Make no mistake about it. It still is. But um, these big plays, a 72-yard touchdown, a 42-yard touchdown. And Haley, I'll tell you this. Austin Eckler and what he's doing. He had that fumble, but to more than make up for it, um, another 100 total yards, 119 total yards, I believe, three total touchdowns. That dimension of this offense fits so nicely with what Keenan does and what Mike does. And and it's opening things up, frankly, for guys like Donald Parham Jr. He, he scored the first touchdown of the game on Monday Night Football, scores the first touchdown of the game against the Browns. Jared Cook making timely receptions. There's so many weapons on this offense, but you're seeing that it, it kind of goes through Mike and Keenan and in many ways right now over the last three weeks, Austin. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Staley said after the game, we felt like we needed all of Austin's production those three total touchdowns. I think he said the same about Mike, that they needed all 165, which was a career yeah, high from Mike he Williams. Did. He did, yeah. Uh, I got a chance to, I spoke with Mike Williams last week and just kind of was asking him, you know, what is it about this offense? And and he said, look, they had a conversation. He had a conversation with Joe Lombardi during the off season. And Lombardi told him like, Hey, you're going to be the Michael Thomas of this team. You're playing that role, that exposition, you are going to be that guy. And then he did say that, that there are times in games where he and uh, Justin Herbert do what he calls Mike and Justin things, which is, it's just like a little look, a little vibe that they give each other. I did ask him last night at the post-game presser, was that 72 yard touchdown a Mike and Justin thing? And he said, no, that actually was what they saw out on the field. And that was, that was the actual uh, call and, and the game plan. There. He, at least he was being honest with you. Like. He was being honest. Um, but, but I think there, you know, it's, it's funny when you hear, a guy talk about a bond that he has with someone else and that this is only year two and really like year one and a half because we're not even at you know the full second season yet of Justin Herbert but it's crazy but um but to to have a guy kind of talk about the rapport that they've built 
And that now they're so comfortable with each other that it literally can just be a look, a vibe, a, you know, I'll go down the field. I'll look back. I got you. I got this. That <laughs> breeds the utmost confidence, I think, in, in both players and, and success ultimately. If you're the Browns, and I know the Chargers improved the four and one of it, but if you're the Browns and you have 230 rushing yards on the ground, you don't turn the football over. You possess the ball for over 36 minutes in this game and you still lose. You got to be scratching your head. What the heck yeah. just happened? Justin Herbert happened, I think, is basically what the what the answer is. I mean, that fourth quarter, I, I really I thought that the Kansas City game was one of the best games I had seen in terms of just Herbert Mahomes knocking off the the AFC West champ. Um, this was more like, I don't know, it it was a shootout, but in a weird way because you know, Cleveland was running the ball and, and mm -hmm. being effective. You know, it was like it had like this arena football vibe in terms of the scoreboard, but it was just a, a very strange game. And, you know, for for Derwin and Drew Tranquil to have 28 total tackles. I mean, I don't know if you're going to see something like that again this season, uh, but it's it's just a matter of this team finding ways to win and the offense kind of picking up the defense and winning another nutty game. They've won so many different ways, Haley, to be 4-1 going into Baltimore and then a bye. I don't think you can ask for much more. Well, that's the key word there, right? Win. They've won different games in so many different ways, whereas you and I have come on these podcasts over the last couple of years and talked about the different ways that they've lost games and just yeah. kind of having to find their way. And that was what Justin said. They're finding ways. They are learning how to win. They are learning how to win games. And I think a lot of that also starts with just confidence that Brandon Staley has instilled in this team by, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but a couple of those fourth downs going for it on fourth downs, which wasn't just in this game. It's been kind of a hallmark and a theme that we've seen over the first few weeks of this season, but giving the offense specifically, the confidence to go and yeah, we're going to go for it from our own 24 yard line and, and get it done. That just breeds confidence. And that has to breed that ultimately must take these guys all the way until the end where you feel like you get it during the game and you're like, heck yeah, we can go out and finish this game. And, you know, like you said, with the Browns, it's not many times. I think, I think I saw a tweet. They might be the only team in NFL history to put up over 500 yards of offense, not turn the ball over and, and not win. I mean, yeah. That's crazy. But at the same time, you know, defensively, they were losing Jadavian. They lost Jadavian Clowney. He wasn't in this game. Miles Garrett can only do so much. And he was certainly a factor yesterday in terms of getting pressure. But he when was. it got cracked open in that fourth quarter, you just couldn't stop Justin Herbert. I'm so glad you brought up the fourth down conversions. Before we get to Popper, let's just hit on this really quickly. Because in the third quarter, Chargers are down two scores. They're down 14. You your own 24. It's fourth and two. If you don't convert that, Haley, the ball game's over. It's a free, it's a free possession. It, it's yeah. over. You, you either go down 21 or you go down 17. I mean, it, that, those are the only two options, essentially. They get it. They convert another fourth down on that drive. Like, that was the turning point in the game, that, four, that fourth and two from their own 24, I believe. If you don't get that, the ball game is over. That – really was the play of the game. When you look at all these wild plays back and forth that fourth quarter, if the Chargers do not get that in the third quarter, we're talking about a maybe a completely different ball game. That fourth quarter may not mean really anything. Yeah, you tweeted it. You said something like, hey, remember these two fourth down conversions if the Chargers come back to win this game? Because it's entirely true. Little did we know, 
we thought that was crazy. <laughs> Little did we know what the what the fourth quarter would bring. It was like a game of Madden. It was like a game of Madden. It was. And there were so many tweets about that. I was talking with my husband about that on the way home last night. And there were so many tweets. Aaron Nagler, who covers the Green Bay Packers, said it was almost like these coaches grew up playing Madden. And I said, well, they are young. They are on the younger (laughs) side. So they probably did. Rich Eisen tweeted about a 10-year-old having Skittles in the press box and being hopped up. And maybe they were the ones controlling this game. It just, it got nuts. But, But that drive specifically which ended with that Herbert rushing touchdown and the two point conversion to bring them within six. It it was just, it's, it's wild. It's crazy. It's risky. It worked, which is really all you need to say at the end of the day. And then it got them to the fourth quarter um, where they ended up scoring 26 points. So I don't know. I just think it's, again, it, it goes back to that confidence and look, Brandon Staley again, talked about it and said, you know, like last week, he mentioned every fourth down has a life of its own. Every, every, play has a life of its own and you assess and you realize, but he really felt like they needed it to get it, to get it going at that point. And they got it. And then they got the one later on that fourth and seven. So you build that confidence in your team to get it done. And we'll see. I mean, Hey, it's still early in the season. I think again, this team has shown that they're going to go for it. And it's so funny at one point, I think it was a fourth and 17 and Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk tweeted, oh, is this where we punt now? And I said, yeah, these are the things that now go through my head when you're watching Chargers games. Like, what is the craziest scenario that could happen here? Okay, this is too much. The team will punt. But um, but it's it's nuts. But I think it, it is a two-way street, as they said, too. And this team has the confidence that they that they can convert, and they've converted, plain and simple. All right, right on cue, Daniel Popper has entered the lobby. Let's talk to Daniel. And here he is, Daniel Popper of The Athletic. Daniel, Haley and I just talked about this for about 10, 15 minutes. I feel like we were all over the place because the game was all over the place. Uh, Why don't you let us know what you thought of Sunday? Oh, uh, one of the craziest, wildest football games I've ever watched. And I've spent a lot of time watching football in my 28 years on this earth. Um, it, It was one of those, you know, quintessential shootouts. Uh, I know Brandon Silly said it turned into a track meet, uh, but I think the biggest takeaway from this game is you don't win a track meet against that kind of offense unless you have a legitimate superstar quarterback, not an up-and-coming quarterback, not one of the best young quarterbacks in football, a superstar quarterback, full stop, no qualifiers. And that's what Justin Herbert is. Um, I know that a lot of people have been talking about his game over the last year plus. I think yesterday he arrived like he's here um, and this guy is an elite, elite quarterback and he's going to be able to win the Chargers games even when everything around him is failing and flailing and floundering. And I think that's what we saw yesterday. Um, One stat I, I got last night that sort of indicates how ridiculous this performance was from him and the offense in the fourth quarter. 26 offensive points in the fourth quarter. Most offensive points scored in a fourth quarter since 2013. It's eight years ago. That's how ridiculous, how prolific, how explosive this was in the fourth quarter. And it was, it was Justin Herbert refusing to let the Chargers lose this game. Just refusing, right? And a lot of people in the draft process and after he was drafted talked about his leadership. And I, and I know anyone that's been around him knows that that is complete BS and always was complete BS. 
But this is what leadership looks like. Him walking into the huddle and looking at his teammates and saying, we're scoring every time we touch the damn ball. And everyone being like, yeah, okay. I mean, that's what Mike Williams said. He's like, all right, we got you. Let's go do it. There's, there's just a confidence about him, an aura about him, where you look at him and you see what he does on a football field. And he says, yeah, we're going we're gonna to score every time we touch it here. We're going to put up 26 points in the fourth quarter. And everyone's like, yeah, that's, that's, in the, that's, that's possible because of you, because of your skill set, right? Because of your arm talent, because of your athleticism, because of your innate feel in the pocket, and because of your leadership and because we believe in you. And it was just throw after throw after throw after throw after throw. It was fourth down conversions. It was the third and five with Tack McKinley, you know, barreling down on him off the edge after beating Storm Norton. He shrugs him off, rolls out, and throws a 40-yard laser to Keenan Allen over a leaping Troy Hill. And you're just sitting there, and you're like, how many quarterbacks in the NFL can do that? Very few. And to do it in that moment with the stakes as high as they were against a team that has Super Bowl aspirations – I mean, that's what you want out of a quarterback. NFL executives, personal executives, dream all day and night. They dream and then deep, dream when they're sleeping about finding a quarterback who can win games in these scenarios. The Chargers are living that dream right now. They have a superstar under center. I had Laura Rutledge from ESPN on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she admitted, she goes, we got it wrong. A lot of us got it wrong about Justin Herbert. She goes, myself included. And she said the reason she felt was because they paid way, way, way too much attention to the scheme that was ran at Oregon and that maybe not translating to the NFL. Why is this scheme that he's in right now with Joe Lombardi such a good fit for him? Yeah, well, I think primarily it's a matchup based offense. So, you know, go back to the, um, you know, fourth and two play last week. Uh, they realize they're in man coverage. They see it's Jared Cook against Denzel Perryman, who's 5'11 versus 6'5, and they're just going to spam that matchup. Like, we like 6'5 right. over 5'11. This is what Drew Brees did for two decades, just finding the matchup on the field where they have an advantage and then just putting the ball in a place where only his guy can get it. And I think you're seeing a lot of that right now. And, and what they have, and Justin said this last night, what they have all over the field is matchup nightmares. And Mike Williams is the matchup nightmare on the field at 6'4", 220. And they are just using him in a way that the previous regime didn't use him. And then that goes back to creativity. It goes back to foresight. It goes back to thinking outside the box. But I think a lot of it is the weapons around him. You know, I give a lot of credit to the organization for bolstering this offensive line in the offseason. I think that's been a big part of it. But you just got a lot of really talented players that are mismatches who are also really savvy and really smart all over the field. And that's helping bring the most out of a young quarterback. Um, but you really have to give him a ton of credit. I mean, young quarterbacks don't put up the numbers that he put up in three games against the team that he put up without turning the ball over against the types of pass rushes that he was going against. But just to answer your question, I mean, specifically, it's it's the thought process of, of it being a, a matchup type offense and then having those players around him that can create those mismatches. Hopper, these fourth down conversions, man, it's like going to Vegas and just never, ever losing. It, Haley and I just talked about this. If they don't get the fourth and two at their own 24, there is no fourth quarter. I mean, that game is all but over, I think. when and, and maybe not because of everything you just said about Justin Herbert, but to go down 21 potentially in the middle of the third quarter, if you don't get that fourth and two or 17, I think at the very least, 
Uh, what do you make of this team having so much confidence on fourth down and then also delivering on that confidence? Yeah. So I don't think it's that complicated of a conversation, right? I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they expanded their analytics department and it's win probability and it's data and it's math and it's all of this complicated stuff that sports fans don't really want to talk about. But it isn't that really. Like at the crux of it, it's Brandon Staley looking on the field and saying, number 10's my best player. And I'd rather go down fighting with the ball in 10's hands than do anything else, right? I want to give this guy a chance to win the game every single time I can give him a chance. I want him to have as many plays with the ball in his hand as I possibly can have. And that's it. And win probability is factored in. They're modeling and they're making decisions. Like I think a perfect example is going for it or going for the two-point conversion down 14 when they scored that touchdown. Like that is, that's math. Like I, you can go find the flow chart that shows you that if you go forward and two in that situation, you have a 62.5% chance of winning the game. Like I can, we can go through all of that, but the overarching philosophy is Justin Herbert is my best player. I'm going to give him as many chances as possible. Um, that decision, fourth and two from the own 24, there's been a lot of ballsy decisions here from Staley so far. I mean, to go back to the fourth and nine uh, in Kansas City, but that fourth and two, I think, is, is the one that I have to point to because you need to keep the ball on that possession. Your defense is exhausted. They've been on the field for what at that point, it was over 70% of the time in the game. They could not stop the run. And Brandon knew at that point, we need to maintain some possession on this drive. So we can figure some stuff out defensively, look at some of these cutups and figure out what we can do to try and stop the run. We need to give this defense a rest. And if we don't keep the, if we go three and out here, this game is over. Anyway, we're not going to punt this ball away and then hope that we get lucky. The only way we win this game is if we convert this fourth down and, and at the very minimum possess the ball. And so that's why I think that it was just a really impressive decision. And, you know, everyone's expecting him to throw on the play and they hand off to Eckler on a draw and convert it. Um, and Popper, so, Popper, how many how many coaches do you think in the league would go for it in that situation? I, I asked Justin that last night. He said, I don't know. I said, how many coaches that you've ever been around would do it? And he said, I don't know, but I know ours did. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, I think Harbaugh probably um, outside of him. You know, I don't know if there's anyone in the league um, that, you know, views the game through that prism, um, you know, obviously Belichick did it with Brady in that Colts game way back, you know, 10, 15 years ago or whatever against Peyton Manning, they didn't get it. And he got absolutely crucified for it. Um, but yeah, like very few, I mean, two, maybe three coaches make that decision, but it won them the game. It won them the game. That decision, 100%. right? There, you want to point to, you want to point to one play that flipped that game. It's right there. And then obviously they have to hit the fourth and seven at the Cleveland 22 and, you know, Justin throws an absolute dime to Keenan on an out route. And that was, that was crucial, but you want to talk about playing to win fourth and two from your own 24. Like that's, that's it right there. Like I'm playing to win. Like I'm not going to cower in fear and punt the ball away and hope that my defense who hasn't stopped anything all day can all of a sudden turn things around. You're grasping at straws at that point. So go out there, put your offense in the field and play to win because if it's not happening now, it's not going to happen later. And, and you just have to love that mentality. I mean, you have to love it. You have to. Yeah, it's a, like you said, gutsy, risky, but it worked. 
it worked last night. Let's flip to that defense for a second. They gave up 230 on the ground to Cleveland, uh, you know, days after they just limited the Raiders to 48 rushing yards. Chris and I talked about the impact that Derwin had, which was good, but there's bad to it too, right? Because Cleveland's getting to that second level where he has to be the one to come in and, and tackle. What really needs to shore up though with this rush defense? Yeah, I've been thinking about this all night and then into the morning. I hope you got some sleep, Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah, you know, a little bit, but mostly thinking about football. Um, How do you fix it? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, you, you, it's a talent issue and it was um, a concern coming into the season, the depth on this defensive line. And I'm hundred percent sure I said it on, on this podcast or one of these podcasts with you guys at some point in the off season that they just didn't have the depth and they were one injury away from this becoming a really big issue. And if it was, if the injury was to Linval Joseph or Justin Jones, and they were going to be in big trouble against some of these teams that could really run the football. And that's what you're seeing right now. So Justin Jones is out through the bye week. They're going up against a really, really good running team next week against the Ravens. And the players that are playing have to step up. I mean, that's what it is. It's plain and simple. They're not being physical enough at the point of attack. And, and they're really relying on Linval Joseph to carry the entire defensive line to be an all pro player at 33 years old. And that's just not, you can't ask the guy to do that at this point. He can do it for a game. Absolutely. He still has that in him. He did it against the Raiders. He single-handedly created that rushing defense performance against the Raiders by just being an absolute dominant force on the interior. But I just don't think you can ask a 33-year-old Linval Joseph to do that week after week after week after week. He could do it at 27 or 28, but that's just not a realistic thing to ask of a guy at that point in his career. So you just need these players to step up. Jerry Tillery needs to step up. Christian Covington needs to step up. And they need to get more out of these undrafted free agents, whether it's Braden Fajoko, Joe Gaziano, Horace Merrill. Um, but the issue heading into the season was that they didn't have the depth and we're seeing that kind of exposed at this point. Um, and, and it's just a physicality uh, issue. It's, it's a talent issue up front and they just need more out of the players they have. It's really that simple. Popper, last one for me. This has been a, a difficult stretch of their schedule, right? You go to Kansas City, you win. The Raiders were 3-0. and You take care of them on Monday night. I think Cleveland is a team that, if this, if both teams make the playoffs, they, they may see each other in, in January at some point. Uh, Cleveland is for real, oh, yeah. and now you got you got Baltimore. You're four and one. How important is Sunday, given that all of the division lost on Sunday, including the Chiefs? They're two and three now. If you go to five and one, headed into the bye, beating premium teams in the AFC, if you're going to drop a game, you drop it to Dallas, right? You're beating premium teams here. Just how important is Sunday with the rest of the scheduling context and just everything that's happening around the Chargers? I think, it, I mean, every game's important to use the old football cliche, but heading into this early stage of the season, these first six games before the bye week, I was saying if you're three and three through these six games, like that's a win because you're going to give yourself a chance to, to play meaningful games in November and December. And that's really how I was measuring success, success this season. So even if they're four and two through these six games, like that isn't a, a massive win. And the, the fact that they even have a chance to go five and one, like I would have never expected that. I'll admit that right now. I would have never expected them to have that chance. Um, but the coaching has been fantastic. And Justin Herbert is playing out of his mind and they're giving themselves an opportunity here. So important because it's another game important because it's an AFC game. But if you're four and two through these six games, you're still going to give yourself a real shot 
to contend for the postseason. You get into the bye week, you get Kenneth Murray back, you get Justin Jones back. We'll see what happens with Brian Bulaga. And then you head into a, a much easier section of your schedule. So important, but not, I don't think absolutely crucial to win, despite what you said about, you know, AFC implications and those types of things. Should be a good one though. I mean, yeah. this, this whole season for me kind of has, it's just echoed 2018 a little bit with just the fact that they were kind of on this roll and it's, it's eerie in a sense that they're playing similar teams and you got Baltimore on the schedule next, but, but it should be a really good game. I mean, this is, you mentioned John Harbaugh earlier, these, these coaching matchups to me is also really interesting just with sort of the yeah. chess matches. And you saw that with Stefanski and, and, he did some wild things. We talked about, you know, these guys playing Madden and then, you know, obviously with Staley, but, but Harbaugh has been around for a while. He's been around the block. He's a former Super Bowl winning coach, but, but he's got that edge too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we're going to see a single punt in the game. <laughs> the, the, the Ravens will attempt a field goal because they have the best field goal kicker um, in the history of the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, I mean, it's amazing. It's like, I mean, it, it literally, it, it, you bring up Madden. It's great because it reminds me of like, playing Madden on GameCube in 2004 with my brother and I'm in our basement, just like every fourth down going for it. Now I wasn't, you know, <laughs> not seven for seven or nine for nine in my, in, in my first, you know, five games, I was more like, Oh, for seven or Oh, for nine. Cause my brother would absolutely wax me with Michael Vick rushing for 750 yards every single game, but it is, it's, it's wild, but I mean, the, it's, it's what the math tells you to do. And it's certainly what the math tells you to do when you have a quarterback as talented as Justin Herbert with the type of, of sporting cast he has. So I don't think it's like, I think a lot of people are labeling it as, you know, super risky or, and, and gutsy. And I even said ballsy, but like, it's, it's a smart thing to do. And there's a lot of data and reasoning to back up the decisions. I just think it's a, it's an opportunity to get a little greedy on Sunday to get to five and one, because when this is all said and done 17 game season, if you can get head to heads over Baltimore over the Chiefs, over the Raiders, over the Browns. That does wonders um, when there's going to be so many teams vying for playoff spots. So, Popper, uh, always love the insight, man. I love the uh, the Justin Herbert parting shot off the top. I felt like I was at Sports Reporters. Uh, oh, awesome man. work, dude. <laughs> that, that is quite a compliment. I grew up watching that show, so I appreciate that. Always appreciate your time, brother, and um, big win in Baltimore. I'm sure we'll talk to you after that. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. And, guys, that's going to do it for us. Big thanks to Popper. For Haley Elwood, I'm Chris Harey. This has been The Final Drive, presented by Microsoft Windows 11.